Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup, episode 4. Glad to have you. Now, every Monday, we round up the week's most important technology, digital, and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andy Lemasugu. I'm a broadcaster and entrepreneur, and hosting this podcast alongside me is my good friend, Defo Mokhapi, who is not only a tech entrepreneur, but also the executive editor of iAfrican.com. How's it, my man? How's it, dude? Uh, here you met one of our listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah, actually. Actually, I met a guy called Brent Doherty, and um, he hails from San Francisco, straight from Silicon Valley. Been in the country a few months already. We did coffee, and I asked him what the scene is like out there. Really interesting. I got some of it on tape, and we might share it in the future. Sounds cool. It would be interesting to hear how he compares uh, Silicon Valley and Joburg. Yeah, he's got interesting views on that. Shout out to you, Brent. Uh, and if you've only just discovered this podcast, where have you been? Catch up on the news and topical conversations we've had in the past episodes. Just head to africantechroundup.com, or better yet, subscribe to African can take Roundup in iTunes or on SoundCloud and you'll never miss a thing. So coming up is the news and then our discussion where this week we ask the question, are tech and innovation hubs in Africa effective? Before we get to all that, the African Tech Roundup is supported by Lean Startup Joburg the internationally acclaimed three-day intensive workshop that gives you the ability to build disruptive products. Get with the program, people, and learn how to fail fast and succeed even faster. Visit bit.ly forward slash lean Josie or find them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash lean Joburg and on Twitter at Lean Joburg. Now, in last week's show, we led with the news that uh, the internet had been shut down in Burundi following protests in that country. Therefore, you've got a mate you heard from out there. Yeah, apparently uh, the internet is shut down, so that part is true and mostly affecting instant messaging and uh, social media. But uh, if you know someone or you have someone in Burundi that you'd like to get in touch with, Telegram works, the app Telegram. You know, you were telling me the story earlier, and uh, forgive me, all tech heads out there for what I'm about to say, but I actually thought you were talking about actual telegrams, like what our parents used to use back in the day. No, 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 Andy, this is an app. It's very similar to WhatsApp, and uh, it's more secure. So if you know somebody and you have their mobile number in Burundi, try using Telegram. Uh, It should still be working. Now, Global Human Rights Group Access Now has, of course, lobbied the United Nations and the African Union to demand the protection of freedom of expression. Well, all we can say is if you're out there, we hope you're, you're keeping safe and we hope the, the political tensions die down. Now, of course, the report Xenophobia Initiative is nothing new. We've spoken about it before on the show. It's, it's quite an unfortunate thing to have to bring up from time to time. But um, can you give us an update on what's going on right now? Yeah, event update and one sort of trend or analysis update. The first one, which was quite concerning, was on Monday or last weekend, we received a report of people mobilizing in Cape Town, putting up posters warning foreigners that they are going to be attacked on Monday. So far, we haven't heard of any reports of foreigners being attacked, but the posters did go up. And then, of course, there's reports of, uh, you know, other sort of uh, protests that have nothing to do with xenophobia spilling over and becoming xenophobic. If we look at historical data and even data that we received once the platform went live, is that the pattern we're picking up and analysis we're picking up, given the data that we have, is that once you have service delivery protests in various areas townships etc they sort of spill they slowly start spilling over people start taking their anger out on foreigners and they start with looting foreigners uh, foreign owned uh, shops i suppose all we can ask for is vigilance on the part of anyone who is listening to this to this uh, to this podcast we ask that you uh, support this initiative by heading over to report xenophobia.co.za there are many other ways people of course can report these initiatives just remind people what they can do therefore ah uh, they can 
can report online at the website reportsenophobia.co.za. They can report via SMS at the number 072-677-6621. And they can also download the Ushahidi app and report that. The hashtag on Twitter is still live. Report X. That's hashtag report X. If you see, um, even just, uh, you know, send something is about to happen or please drop them a link on Twitter and they'll be sure to find it. Well, to Nigeria now where Jason Njoku, the up-and-coming tech entrepreneur from that country, is set to give away 5,000, an estimated 5,000 US dollars or 1 million naira to the smartest developers in Lagos. The thing is, this guy has created a name for himself by building a company called Iroko TV, done deals with the likes of Star Times, Netflix, and and now I think he's looking to pay it forward and, and definitely develop talent in that country. It works in two ways. Uh, Iroko is looking to hire more than 20 developers of different skill sets in Lagos. Uh, they've already got developers in their New York office so they're looking to hire local tech talent in Lagos. But how this prize works is that whether or not you decide to take up employment with Iroko, you still get your 1 million naira. And they say that experience isn't even necessary. All it comes down to is the ability to code and I think that's great. Yeah, I mean this is promoting tech skills and if you look at how tech skills are acquired by most of us and most techies is that most are self-taught. So this is good. So big news some months back was the fact that MTN um, acquired a controlling stake in AfriHost. Soon after that, I kind of moved to AfriHost from from the ISP that I was with before. And this week, AfriHost was getting smacked on Twitter, man. Yeah, they're smacked on Twitter simply because the mother company, MTN's data center in Gallo Manor, suffered a DDoS attack. Now, for some of our listeners who are not familiar what a DDoS attack is, DDoS stands for a distributed denial of service attack. This is where, to put it quite simply, somebody floods your network or your servers with traffic so that they're not able to work. Yeah, and people were complaining online, speculating that MTN's involvement in this company now and owning it in the way they do has has affected the soul of the company, that kind of thing. What do you think of that kind of talk? No, anybody can suffer a DDoS attack. It's like uh, somebody robbing your house or something like that. I mean, somebody just decides one day they're going to flood your network, they flood your network. So I wouldn't really put it on MTN. Yes, there are measures that they could have put in place to prevent this but yeah and also people's issues with their perception of perhaps customer service levels dropping and that kind of thing has nothing to do with what happened this week right nothing to do with it but we'll touch on afrio's customer level support (laughs) yeah man I, i know not everyone's happy with them at the moment but i guess we need to be fair to south africa now where the ict charter will no longer be a guideline after october 2015 as only generic bee codes will come into effect what's this going to do for the industry Let's first explain for our non-South African listeners what the ICT charter was about. BE is an abbreviation for Black Economic Empowerment and what that was was a policy by government to try and fast track transformation in various industries and business by sort of nudging companies and private organizations to give shareholding to non-white shareholders. Now with the ICT charter with every industry they had charters. There was the mining charter, there was the, I think there is a retail related charter and with ICT there is this charter called the ICT Charter, which was supposed to be a guideline for informing how companies go about transforming and involving more black people in their businesses. This has been in planning for 
10 years and has never really been adopted or finalized as various stakeholders have had issues with it and some companies have implemented what they call equity equivalent uh, policies whereby instead of giving equity to black business people they take the money value of that equity they could have given out and do social for good projects or they do all sorts of foundations now with this with these news it means that the ICT charter is now good and dead it will never be come into effect and the new generic BE codes will be in effect but the interesting thing about the new generic BE codes is that broad based empowerment doesn't seem to be encouraged in a sense that they state that uh, only equity given to individual business people will count towards your BEE scorecard and only up to three points three percentage points of equity given to broad-based groups will count towards your BEE scorecard. Sure affirmative action issues are always an issue not just in South Africa but really all over the world and as a result of this companies in in the ICT sector like you say will, will now need to comply to generic codes which don't seem to be geared towards the sector and and do you know and hopefully the changes that some of us would like to see there right no not really i mean this affects uh, schemes where companies had employee shareholding schemes where they were awarding black employees shareholding in a pool so that it counts towards their b scorecards so it means they need to get individual shareholders the way i understand it and so what do you think is behind the failure of appointing you know or of getting this this sort of uh, legislation in place and uh, is it a failing of the ict charter council well the whole concept of be i think it was this is my personal opinion i mean this is not necessarily scientific or anything but personal opinion is that it wasn't uh, properly thought out it was always prone to abuse by individuals and now with saying that only individuals can individual shareholding can count towards uh, your be scorecard it even makes it worse and of course um legislation often has a hard time keeping up with the times and ict is definitely a sector that has changed significantly since these codes were implemented and uh, no doubt there'll be many challenges in trying to apply them to this industry and and hope and, and getting the sort of change we want to see in the industry in terms of representation yeah and i think the change in icts should be more at the skills level and not at the shareholding level but that's a topic for another day absolutely and you be sure we talk about it some more right here on the african tech roundup but moving now to something a little sexier than anything we've spoken about before tesla south africa's very own elon musk has announced that his brand new powerwall will be available to africa how awesome well not only africa but all over the world given the model that they're going to work with so they'll be working with solar panel installers engineers etc to use their power wall and to install it all over the world well if you haven't heard about the power wall it's essentially a unit that stores energy i suppose it's a battery of sorts it is a battery so basically it comes in two formats a unit that uh, a seven kilowatt hour unit for three thousand us dollars and a 10 kilowatt hour unit for three thousand five hundred dollars and that's of course excluding inverters and insulation and that kind of thing and um the idea is for delivery to take place uh in uh, late summer of uh, of of the northern hemisphere which is about july september 2015 and now tesla's explained that they like you said they'll be rolling out to the entire world but right now the power wall is only available through solar installers utilities and energy companies who can offer power wall with installation but in time i'm sure it'll roll out to to, to consumers directly i mean this is yeah typical this is launch they're going to test the market put it out there see who the adoption rate and talking of adoption unfortunately if you didn't order last week it's now sold out that's incredible i mean this dude is is famous for his efforts to try and get people to mars uh, that amazing car i say amazing i have never even seen it i just like the vibe <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, this is the, the, the power wall is branded Tesla, which is the electric cars that he makes, the luxury electric cars. So this is quite fascinating. I mean, everybody talks about how he is the inspiration for Iron Man. And he did feature in the first movie. Absolutely. And I mean, disrupting energy is definitely the way to go, given um, how we need to wean ourselves off fossil fuels and that kind of thing. Let's see how this works out, um, especially here in Africa, where energy has been topical long before the oil crisis that we now see these days. Well, time for us to jump into our discussion topic for the day. According to the World Bank, there are over 100 tech and innovation hubs across the African continent. And today we ask the question, are any of them any good? Therefore, kick us off. Yeah, I mean, there's two views to it. Everybody's celebrating how great they are and how good they are for helping with uh, skills development in the tech sector, in helping with starting new businesses, new tech startups. But there's also another view which I also hold, which is... They're not really that effective at the moment. Well, look, Defo, you're not the only one who holds that uh, that view. Certainly, Mark Essien, who is the founder and CEO of the Nigerian uh, tech startup Hotels.ng, is of the mind that they're doing it all wrong. He figures the environment that they create doesn't lend itself to, to supporting the people who actually make winning a reality in real life. And he makes an argument for what a real incubator should look like. In fact, he doesn't like the term incubator. He rejects it in favor of Accelerator, where he feels that a certain kind of individual already on their way to, to, to making something happen ought to be supported, as opposed to creating an almost classroom environment where people come in search of aid and information and are sort of lectured their way to success. Is that how you feel? Well, partially, but I think for me, I hold a similar view, but a slightly different in that I find that most have become more like slacker communities where people just come in. Some just pop in day in, day out, doing absolutely nothing. So for me, my gripe with uh, most uh, incubators or tech hubs is that they don't have a process or a program or a methodology in place where one, how they filter people who come in or members. Secondly, how they take them from point A to point B. I believe they should be outcomes based and not just become slacker communities. Perhaps someone listening right now hasn't been exposed to the innovation hub scene and that kind of thing. Is it really just a, a co-working environment where you sort of just sign up and get free uh, Wi-Fi and hypothetical meet other people who might or might not help you get your startup off the ground is that what it is essentially that's what it's become literally co-working spaces as you said get free free wi-fi and affordable good coffee but uh, i don't think that's where they should go and but i do on the one hand i do commend them for starting them because it's much needed we need to do something you need a program in place of one how to filter people who become members so that you add value to that hubs community secondly a program that is outcomes based in terms of once you're a member once you're a startup that's already got a prototype or something going, how do we get you from point A to point B, whatever point B you define as? I feel that it's pretty much an oversimplification of what makes Silicon Valley work. That a lot of what these hubs are trying to replicate is what's perceived to be how Silicon Valley works. And I think how Silicon Valley works is a complex, quite frankly, a discussion for another time. But I think what's happening is people take what looks good about it and somehow thinking that if you just throw them all together, good ideas will come out and make money. I don't think 
tech and innovation hubs should just go as being co-working spaces and free Wi-Fi and coffee places. I think it's quite telling when you have a guy like Mark Essien being negative about the concept in general. And uh, I mean, if you consider Conga, Wakanao, Iroko, companies like that in Nigeria, for example, and none of which came out of the, the, the hub scene. And then, and then ask yourself, how many big names like that did? Um, very few. Again, I'm very pragmatic. If we look at outcomes and if we had to go through the whole list of 100 and say who came into this hub and who came out or how did they come out of the hub probably say a handful one of the more prominent hubs on the continent certainly a lot of a lot of moving and shaking seems to be happening in Kenya at iHub and of course they proudly proclaim the fact that at least 150 odd companies can trace their success stories back to them the iHub is doing great work so my question then becomes and and perhaps our listeners can help us can help us answer that question how do we um, as a as a tech community assist the hubs in becoming a relevant source of future talent. Again, you look at the continent and I'm talking the continent for sub-Saharan Africa. Let's go back to the root of the problem. Why the, we're not producing the best tech startups or the best technology or etc. Or we producing very little of it. I think it goes back to skills and skills is not something you develop overnight. Studying STEM skills, which is science, technology, engineering and mathematics skills at a very young age. So the schooling system and the communities around where children grow up need to encourage the children to learn those skills. I suppose on one hand, what confuses me is that Silicon Valley seems to have an environment where failure is almost encouraged. There isn't a stigma attached to failure the way it might do here on the continent. And there seems to be a purposefulness to that failure. I struggle with with, with the innovation hub concept where there's the challenge of creating a culture and perhaps people who come from an environment where failure is looked down upon to think outside of the box and innovate, but at the same time be held to account more strictly. But again, it goes to a little bit about the skills part. Take, for instance, as an example, uh, a guy who manages to drop out like Zuckerberg or Gates, who drops out of Harvard and pursues a tech startup. Dropping out of a varsity in Africa, your parents would strangle you and that you'd be considered a failure. But just take into cognizance that to enter Harvard, you already need to have been a certain level of intellect. So dropping out of Harvard cannot be equated to dropping out of most of our local universities on the continent. So already the education system, again, has prepared this person that by the point they're in first year, second year of Harvard, if they have an idea, they can pursue it whether it succeeds or not. Coming back to the whole failure thing, it's also about culture. I don't think Africa is conducive to failure in terms of, firstly, our culture as a people. Most African parents, the only career that uh, they see is doctor, lawyer, accountant, teacher, or something very professional. And if a, some, if a child goes and says, I want to become anything outside those or start my own thing, whether it be in a creative arts or in business, then yo, it's a big issue. So I hear you on that. So the very quality of the people these incubators are attracting might not be to the caliber of what Silicon Valley attracts, for example. Ironically, these incubators kind of mirror what the status quo in a sense because they're inviting people to come and sit down and learn or hang about or, you know, and hopefully by some form of osmosis, you know, at worst, of course. And this is not to slag all of them or paint all of them with the same brush, but certainly there's a certain level of dependence on the very organization for you to succeed uh, as opposed to sort of enabling you to find solutions and, and create something that could stand on its own. And I'm, I'm quoting here Mark Essien in, in, in an article he wrote recently where he says a working incubator, in his opinion, is one where the focus is on finding the very best founders, giving them leeway to figure things out, uh, looking at bi-weekly growth metrics, creating equal partner discussions with founders, uh, and having people show the founder specific technical things, finance, marketing, etc. Do we need more accelerators and fewer? I think it doesn't matter what we call them, but what matters is, as he says, we 
weekly metrics, you know, certain methodology in play. And also, I think there's too much talk about funding tech startups in Africa. I think even before we get to the venture capital talk in Africa, we should start on the skill side that feeds into the whole ecosystem. Again, we could have an entire discussion on the danger of being overly reliant on, on, on funding, grant money, um, aid, and that kind of thing in order to launch a startup. But of course, we're keen to hear from you. Do you think tech and innovation hubs in Africa are effective? Are you an alumni of any tech hub? Have you experienced awesome service from an amazing brand that was a result of or has been impacted very positively by one of these innovation hubs? Tell us about it. We're really quite happy to be schooled on the matter. Otherwise, thanks for listening. We're quite excited that four episodes in we've already been identified as new and noteworthy on itunes that's been quite the highlight for our week thank you so much for getting us there because it's obviously you listening and sharing and telling everyone else on social media thank you so much for all the shares and posts the tweets remember you can always find us at africantechroundup.com on itunes we are african tech roundup at african roundup on twitter and of course the hashtag to track on twitter is atru lots of great debates and and conversation happening on that hashtag so be sure to check it out so once again we'd like to thank lean startup joburg for their support check them out on facebook.com forward slash lean joburg and of course on twitter at lean joburg and that's it till next week from me andy lemasugu and cheers guys